0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Yoga podcast. I hope you are doing well. And I must thank you for putting up with my voice and the audio quality of last week's drop. My voice is a lot better. It still is not a 100% as I record this, but it's definitely not as bad as what you heard in the last episode And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how much to challenge a yoga student. I think this is a question that we as yoga teachers and practitioners ourselves should be asking more often. We'll also look at the different types of students in a class and generally get to understand the layers of teaching yoga a little more in depth. Okay. Now, before we get into the episode itself, I'm very, very, very excited to let you know that The waitlist for my annual Teaching Yoga to Beginners course is now open. If you have been really wanting to up your game when it comes to teaching yoga to beginners specifically, effectively, and be very efficient, then make sure you get on the waitlist. I was just in the course this week. I was reviewing the videos and the course content. And I must say, I am so happy with how this course has turned out over the years. I have been working with beginners uh, students for almost every day for over a decade and I have condensed that and packed all those learnings into this course for you. I have no doubt, absolutely no doubt that it will elevate your beginners classes. And if I'm being really honest, what is packed in this course? you can take a lot of it into your other classes, into other levels and improve those classes as well. So while I am saying it is teaching yoga to beginners, the blueprint of this course can be applied to many levels and many different types of classes. And the course starts on September 14th, 2023. It's just four weeks long. It is pre-recorded. There are a couple of live sessions, but 98% of the course is pre recorded. So you can do this at your own pace. I will have all the details for you linked in the show notes. Okay. And the course covers everything from how to plan on the back end, the mindset, the approaches to use, and then how to execute on the front end, how to move yourself and your students from a point of confusion to clarity. And I really hope that you are excited to work with beginners because I know it is my personal favorite group of people to work with. I just think it is amazing when you have a group of people who know nothing about yoga, and everything you do and tell them and show them is what they will think of as yoga for the rest of their lives. So please get on the wait list, even if you are a little curious, you don't have to sign up if you don't want to. But if you're a little curious, make sure you get on the wait list. Enrollments will open in the first week of August. And I cannot wait to talk more to you, about this to you. So yeah, so that's coming up, Teaching Yoga to Beginners. It is my annual course. It is starting on September 14th and get on the wait list by going to the link in the podcast description or in the show notes. Okay, now let's get on with today's episode. Hi, my name is Arundhati and you're listening to the Let's Talk Yoga podcast. I'm an ex Bollywood dancer turned yoga and wellness educator. I've built a six figure business as an immigrant, woman of color yoga teacher with no business background, no handstands, pure instinct, and the free information found on Google. If you love doing yoga and you dream of teaching it someday, this podcast is for you. We go over everything from doing and teaching yoga to scaling a small business living a modern yoga lifestyle, and so much more. You'll find interesting, fun, raw conversations along with some tips, tricks, strategies, and insights in this podcast. So grab your cup of chai and let's jump in. In today's episode, let's look at deeply understanding how much to challenge a yoga student in an asana class we'll also be looking at a few different types of student personalities that walk into classes and what kind of practices appeal to them okay but before we dive into how much and i'm doing how much in air quotes i know you can't see it We have to remember this. okay? We as yoga teachers have a preferred way of teaching asana and practicing asana. Okay, We are perhaps even attached to it. But when you teach your classes, be open to recognizing that different students will have a different preference. At least some of them will. Your practice and your teaching may or may not look the same. In fact, they do not need to look the same. For example, how I personally like to practice versus how I teach at my studio Aham Yoga is very different. Okay, so remember that you can practice one way, you can like certain styles, you may you may be drawn to certain ways of doing things in asana class. But for your students, that approach may or may not work and it doesn't need to be identical on both ends of the spectrum. Okay, so just remember, it's not about your practice when you're teaching in class. It is about the student and addressing their needs and helping them get closer to their goals in yoga. Secondly, the same student on different days may have or may need different things based on what is going on. Okay, For example, the same student who likes to do things in a certain way one day may be jet lagged or tired or recovering from a flu. And you want to recognize that and educate that practice can change on those days. Okay, while I'm using the word challenge a lot in today's episode, a better word would be to engage the student in practice more okay because i feel like the word challenge though it will be used can also be a little limiting and we think challenge has to be linear in progress okay challenge means making things harder whereas i think what we're really looking at is engaging the student okay so before we move on let's understand a few different personalities of yoga students that walk into our class the easiest way to understand how much to challenge a student in practice is to recognize the different personalities in class. Now, you don't need to get too caught up in this. This is just an overview and you probably have even recognized and seen this in your own classes regularly. For example, some students are naturally more driven to being active or athletic And like to be physically challenged. Sometimes they like to move faster. They like to move more. I like to think of these students as a little more rajasic in nature. And to be honest, I know this is me. I'm restless on the mat. I'm restless by nature. So I bring that rajasic quality with me into my practice. And honestly, into my teaching as well. And for some of us, this is natural. Okay, And we are conditioned to being more active and moving more on our mats. Whereas some other students are a little more tamasic or sattvic leaning. They will find too much movement jarring to their personality and counterproductive. They actually want to slow down. They need to slow down. So if you end up making these type of students move too much too soon or overly challenge them right at the start, you'll notice that they won't come back. I've made this mistake plenty of times at Aham Yoga where I wasn't reading the student well enough. I was overworking the more tamasic and sattvic leaning student and I was underworking the more rajasic student. I did not understand this overnight. It took me a long time to get this right. But I'm sharing this with you. Hopefully you will start noticing this in your classes sooner than later. So if you can start noticing patterns in your classes, it will perhaps help you sequence better. Okay. It is important to recognize that you cannot have a black and white thinking about this. What I am saying is read your room a little more. Be open to making changes. You may not always get it right at first. And maybe for many, many times, you will have to really figure this out. But see if you can notice patterns starting to emerge. I think one of the secret skills that a modern day yoga teacher should have is observation, the power of of observation. Okay, reading that, which isn't obvious, it's in the room, but it isn't obvious. If you can catch those subtle things, you will be able to cater more efficiently, you will be able to personalize the yoga a lot. Okay, So I hope that helps. A few other factors I want to mention here are simple, general things that you probably know. They are age of the student, the gender, the preconditioning, the injury, history, surgeries, goals that they have for yoga, previous yoga experience, their own interest level. Not all students who walk in have the same interest or drive to be there. So when you recognize where your students are on a given day, you will be able to adapt and engage your student more effectively. And you will be able to yo- apply your yoga in different ways and help them stay connected through all seasons of life. So I hope that helps identifying the more Rajasic students and versus the Tamasic and sattvic students, sattvic students. I'm not saying one group is better than the other. I'm just stating it as is. Again, don't read too much into it. See if you can catch a general pattern that's coming up. Now, moving to the next part. How much do you actually challenge a student? Okay. There are four main things I want to talk about in this one. The first one is you have to find your baseline. Without having your baseline, teaching a group class can become very quickly unsustainable. If you were in my beginners teaching yoga to beginners course last year, you are probably well versed in how to build Your baseline. But for everyone else here who was not in that course, you have to find a general start point that you believe will work for the students in the room. You have to have some idea, some indication about who your students will be. Okay. And I'm doing who in air quotes here and what their physical ability may be like. You just need a general indication. Now, in the course, we go into a deep dive of how to come to this understanding or realization. okay? But you have to know what your launch point is, what your start point is, what you're working with. So work on finding the baseline for your students. That's the first one, finding the baseline. The next one there is you start to build on the baseline. You create a class plan with that baseline in mind the bare minimum offered in your class plan, about 80 to 90% of your practitioners that day should be able to do what you are asking them to do with reasonable amount of ease and effortlessness. Okay. Yes, there may be a few things that you will absolutely need adaptations for and you should be ready with those. These are things we discuss in the training. But if you build your baseline up really well, you will be able to keep everyone on the same page with some modification and adaptations along the way. If your entire class is doing different things at different times and students are just waiting for you to catch up, give them attention and tell them what to do next, we aren't building an effective baseline. Okay, so if you are working on uh, one on one with private clients, this doesn't apply because you can work at your own pace. But I know most of you teach group classes where we have a little time to deal with a whole bunch of things. So you want to find that baseline and build things into that baseline that everybody can do about 80 to 90 percent of the time. That way we are being time efficient in group classes and it is scalable. Okay, it is sustainable in the long run. Again, I understand that you do not have the the complete clarity on how to build your baseline. That's something we will be diving deep into in the course in September. Now, the third thing there is you should have a working knowledge of props. People think that props are used to make yoga adaptable. Yes, 100%. That is true. Okay. Using props make every pose adaptable, but what many yoga teachers and students forget is that props also help to enhance your asana. They can be used both ways to adapt and to enhance your practice. If you are very vinyasa trained and you don't really know how to use propage much, I would attend classes with teachers who are skilled with some amount of prop work. Okay, so you have a working knowledge of how to use these props if needed. Again, in the course, we'll go over the basics, but it is always good to know how to adapt and enhance with props. Don't ever think that it's only to adapt that we use props. You can use props to advance your practice and get into poses that you never thought you could. But the props will really come and and rescue you in those moments. Okay. The last thing here I want to point out is you have to, Have to recognize the level of the student. And I'm doing level in air quotes here. It does help to have some broad categorization like beginners, intermediate beginner, elementary, intermediate, advanced asana practitioners. You could even use numbers like level one, level two, level three. So you have some broad buckets. Okay. Or, or if bucket is too Indian and reference for you, you have some groups that you can Build into, okay. I know sometimes in modern yoga, people beat up on class categorization like this, but I would like to offer this perspective instead. Okay, having some sort of grouping will make it efficient for you and the student. That way, both of you are investing equally, right? And it is worth your time and effort on both sides—the teacher and the student. I feel like sometimes yoga teachers just make noise and uproot things that work well for the sake of coming across as different or unique or having something that's offbeat and new. But it comes down to what works. Okay. If having labels on your classes like beginner, intermediate, elementary, advanced, restorative or whatever else helps the student navigate into a class, then why not? Okay. If somebody sees level one, two, three, their brain understands that, okay, a level one is a little more beginner friendly. A level three is perhaps a little more advanced. So in your own organization on the back end, again, we go into this in the course in depth, make sure you have some broad categorization. Okay. And that way, you're able to build the student up over time. Okay. so. Don't just do away with labels and try to find new things if the old system isn't broken and it doesn't need to be redone. I know it sounds a little harsh, but I'm telling you as a business owner for over 10 years and having been in the room on the ground, building these class schedules, working with teachers, working with students, not everything in the yoga world needs a redo. Okay, some things absolutely do. But sometimes having labels like this that identify the level of the student is extremely important. Okay, that way, the beginner doesn't end up in an unbalanced class. And somebody who wants to advance their practice doesn't end up in a beginner's class, who already know what is happening in beginner's yoga, and so on and so forth. Okay, So the four main things we spoke about on how to challenge a student are you have to find your baseline. This is so crucial. And I cannot wait to get nerdy about this with you in the course. Then you build on that baseline. You create the class plan for weeks ahead. And again, we'll look at this in the course. You have to have a working knowledge of props. Remember that props are not just to adapt a practice. It can also enhance your practice. Lastly, it is extremely important to recognize where the student is starting and where they could potentially go. That is recognizing the level of the student and adding labels to your class that help navigate a student into them. Okay, So I hope these four help. Now, I want to leave you with a few more things for teaching asana okay? because I've been talking about build the baseline. I'd like to leave you with an example here. When you build your baseline, you want to start by offering the base version of a pose. For example, if you are off offering parighasana, which is on your knees, one leg is out like warrior two on the side, and then you take a side bend. Okay. So in many ways, it looks like a side bend on the knees. Now the level, the next level from there is Parshvakonasana or Ardha Parshvakonasana, where your base is warrior two. And then you take the side bend with your forearm on your front knee, which is bent, front leg, and then you side bend. Okay? So you, when you do something like this, you can always remind them that they can go back down on their knee. They can use a wall, a chair, even though it's it may not always be needed. But there may, may be those days where you want to grab props and you want to show people the different adaptations in your teaching Okay, and offer it, give them a visual about it, but build up from the base. That's what I want you to take from this conversation, build up from the base. Another example of this would be bird dog and warrior three. Okay. Now, I'm pretty sure you know bird dog on your hands and knees, and you can teach that really well, really clearly. And then you can tell them that when we do Veerabhadrasana 3 later in class today, remember that you can always come back down to this and then remind them when they're actually in Veerabhadrasana that this option is available for now and forever. So when you talk to your classes, explain to them about how much to push themselves. And I'm doing push in air quotes here. Tell them that it is subjective. Educate them about the approach to asana. Some days their body is ready to push and mind is ready to push for more and to lean into that. Okay? Some days that's not possible and it's okay to step back. Factors like sleep, food habits, menstruation, stress levels and other aspects can affect the output on the mat. So they can invest or back off as needed. Okay, but Remind them about the flexible nature of yoga practice. And the flexible nature of the body and the mind, that has to also be a component okay, in their practice. So a good measure to understand how much to push a student is to find some degree of effort and effortlessness working together. So you want your students to feel a little bit of a challenge. Okay? So they keep their muscles, their joints, or their physical annamaya kosha engaged. And that's the repair and restoration and insurance for aging, isn't it? To have a strong body. But don't push them so far where they cannot connect with their breath and their presence, okay? with their pranamaya kosha and manomaya kosha. You don't want your student being so challenged where they are wishing that class got over so they can literally just grab their mat and run out of class. Or when you say exit the pose, they spring out of the pose and fall into child's pose. Okay, so just start to notice these things. It comes back to that power of observation that we have reading the room a lot more effectively. You also want to tell your students that it's not necessary that everything should be effortless from the start. And this is something I tell beginners all the time. I make a lighthearted joke about how yoga media, yoga marketing shows everybody effortless in poses, eyes closed, blissful. That's a product of the practice over time. And we don't start there. Okay? So if everything is effortless, then perhaps the student isn't as engaged. Their mind may be a little bored and we're probably not investing in their annamaya kosha. Okay, So you want to educate them to find a balance of what Patanjali's written in the yoga sutras about thiram sukham asanam, finding steadiness and ease in practice over time. And making them understand that this is a fluid concept. And on certain days, the same thing may feel a lot. And on certain days, it may feel effortless to lean into that more. Okay. So I hope this helps. Okay. As a yoga teacher, make sure that you observe the ratio of exertion versus effortlessness. Okay. I'm going to say that again. Observe the ratio of exertion versus effortlessness in your students' practice. Notice, confusion over clarity in execution. Notice if they are flushed or out of breath, if they're breathing shallow. Notice if they are stopping and resting way too much too soon. Notice if they're looking at the clock and taking repeated water breaks. Notice if they don't return, they avoid eye contact and run away right after class. I mean, there is so much that you can pull out of a class from observation. And I want to leave you with the simple thing that recognizing how much to challenge a student, recognizing the different types of personality, recognizing when to tell them to push more and to hold back. All of these are skills that we should be developing as yoga teachers. I know a lot of this sometimes gets left out in mainstream 200-hour trainings because there just isn't enough time. So I'm really hoping that if this episode has interested you, piqued your interest a little bit about doing better, teaching more efficiently. beginners, then check the course out that starts September 14th. The enrollments will open on August 14th, which is a month away from the start date. It is a really valuable, effective course. It is 10 years of work and more that I have condensed and put into this short training that will do hopefully wonders not only for your beginners classes but for those beyond your beginners and your practice again go to the link in the bio in my instagram bio in the show notes or even in your podcast description get on the wait list and feel free to reach out with any questions you have about this course i will be talking about it in the weeks ahead until then take care bye-bye